1: Hello, Foo followers around the world. Welcome to episode seventy-two of the Kung Fu Movie Guy podcast with your host Ben Johnson. That is me. Hello, welcome to the show. This month, we have teamed up with Eureka Entertainment here in the UK to give away three copies of the nineteen eighty Sammo Hung supernatural Kung Fu classic, Encounter of the Spooky Kind. The film is available now for the first time on Blu-ray here in the UK from a brand new two K restoration. To be in with a chance of winning a copy, simply sign up to our newsletter at kungfumovieguide.com. Full competition details will be announced when we send out our next newsletter, which will be on the 30th of June, so that's this Wednesday. So, become a registered Foo follower today, and you could win yourself a free copy of The Amazing Encounter of the Spooky Kind on Blu-ray. If you do sign up, then thank you so much, and good luck. Encounter of the Spooky Kind is available to buy right now. You can head over to Amazon.co.uk and EurekaVideo.co.uk to purchase your copy. Okay, we have a great guest on today's show. The one and only Cynthia Rothrock is here. A huge guest and a great conversation. So without any further ado, let's get on with the show. Here we go. Well, if you're really so determined to have a fight, then I'll oblige. (laughs)
2: <laughs>
1: hello 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 there food followers around the world wherever you are listening to this thank you so much for checking it out i do hope that you're doing well i hope you're staying safe I hope you're staying healthy ben johnson here the host of the kung fu movie guide podcast speaking to you now from a surprisingly sunny London here in the UK. We are in the summertime here now, so we have been getting some pretty nice sunshine of late. Look, you don't care about the weather. Cynthia Rothrock is here. She is on the show today, the queen of martial arts movies. We spoke on Zoom earlier in the year, in March 2021, and soon I will play you that conversation is a fascinating chat if i do say so myself and it takes in quite a wide range of topics her journey from scranton pennsylvania to starring in some of the best hong kong action films of the 1980s movies like writing wrongs millionaires express yes madam that's called uh, police assassins here in the uk Magic Crystal, No Retreat, No Surrender 2. My God, there's so many great Cynthia Rothrock films. After her stint in Hong Kong, she then moved back to the USA to become a hugely bankable star in the straight of video markets in the 1990s. Cynthia is now 64 years young. She remains a hugely popular and influential figure within the martial arts world. She's still training all the time. She travels the world. She's teaching seminars and she's still there making her fair share of action movies as well. So it was an absolute delight to spend a bit of time chatting with the one and only Cynthia Rothrock, it is coming up on today's show. Just before I throw over to that, I do get the sense that we may have a few new people joining us today for the first time. If that is the case, then welcome to the show. We've been doing this for a little while now, five years actually. The Kung Fu Movie Guy podcast started in 2016. This is the seventh episode in our sixth season of podcasts, and we are currently releasing new episodes every two weeks on a Monday. On this show, we celebrate martial arts movies and the people who make them, and over the years, I have spoken to many of the leading lights from the genre. You can listen back to all of our previous episodes right now via our website, kungfumovieguide.com. We are also available from all the usual places that you get your podcasts. The website is also the best place to go to read, all of the latest martial arts movie reviews you can also sign up to the newsletter find our contact information you can also donate to the kung fu movie guide any donation is is greatly received so the direct link to that is paypal.me forward slash kung fu movie guide If you have any questions at all about the show or the website or if you just want to get something off your chest or you just want to drop me a a note, then there are many ways to do so. We are on Twitter at KF Movie Guide. We are also on Facebook and Instagram at Kung Fu Movie Guide. We're on YouTube as well. I think if you just search for Kung Fu Movie Guide, then we should come up in, in YouTube as well. And we have our email address. The email address is hello at kungfumovieguide.com. Okay, so it's Cynthia Rothrock time. As you're hear in this conversation, I have talked to Cynthia in the past. She's not been on this podcast before, but I did interview her a decade ago for a different website. That interview is still available on kungfumovieguide.com. I will be sure to put a link to that article. In This podcast description. When we spoke back in March of this year, 2021, it was still lockdown in California and also here in the UK. Cynthia is very active online. You can find all the latest Cynthia Rothrock information via her website, CynthiaRothrockofficial.com. She is on Instagram under the name OfficialCynthiaRothrock. She is on Facebook, Facebook facebook.com forward slash Cynthia Rothrock. She is also on Twitter at Sinroth, so that's C-Y-N-R-O-T-H. And if you're a Cynthia Rothrock fan, then you do have to check out her YouTube channel. There's loads of great stuff on there, including videos of her many travels, the interviews that she's done, there are training videos, and there's also these great interviews where she breaks down a lot of the action scenes that she's been involved in over the years so i will be sure to put a link to her youtube channel in the description of this episode so you can reach it there but otherwise you can just go to youtube.com forward slash cynthia rothrock channel okay i will be back at the end of this conversation to sign off properly but until then here we go then here is my conversation with the undisputed queen of martial arts movies. It's the one and only Cynthia Rothrock. How are you coping with all this lockdown stuff?
2: I don't know not uh... know. The beginning, I was going crazy. It was like, oh my yeah. God, what do we do? You know, and I just started uh, for the first, I would say, six months of it. I started really working out hard in my home, you know, because that in Great. California here we couldn't even like go outside. So yeah. I was just like, uh, you know, doing the Peloton, and I was get, getting my weights out and uh, yeah. just trying to like do yoga online and yeah, you know, doing things like that. And then when things started lifting a little bit, then I started going out hiking, uh, doing a little more hiking. And then when things started lifting a little bit again, I thought I started learning how to scuba dive because I was like, (laughs) hey, that's open and I've always wanted to do it. Sure. So I did that. And then I ended up going to Roatan um, because that was one of the few places you could get into. Yep. And uh got my advanced diving there, and then um, I went to Aruba because it seems like the Caribbean is probably one of the few uh places that we could
1: went to on your youtube channel you do record and film a lot of your travels you've been all over the world so that's amazing i wondered if you've got a favorite place that you've been to
2: oh that's really really a tough one but i would say uh antarctica has to be uh, probably my favorite
1: you don't mind the cold
2: uh i do i do i, do. Yeah. I don't like it but <laughs> i got the warmest jacket that i could find good uh, when i went it wasn't that bad the worst part of it uh because you know we were doing a lot of trekking we were doing a lot of mountaineering uh you know a lot of hu- like a lot of hiking around the mountains so when you're out there no matter how cold it is when, you know when you're moving like briskly and you're like climbing yeah. up hills. You tend to get warm, but it was it was the coldest I've ever been in my life standing on the front of the ship. You know, because you're going and you want to see like all the icebergs and what's going through it. Yeah. And, and that was um, that unbelievably cold I'd never experienced wow. that kind of cold
1: have you always had this in you then this sense of exploration and discovering the world and just sort of jumping in and getting involved you've always had that in you then Harry. well
2: you know what because when I was doing when I, I started martial arts when I was a kid and uh very shortly after that I would say probably within a, a year and a half I really started getting into competition uh, very strongly and then I started competing professionally. So all I really focused on for uh, probably up until, oh, I would say, uh, till I had my daughter. You know, I really, uh, which was in '99. I really focused on uh, martial arts. You know, and filming, mm-hmm. and I really didn't kind of vary away from that and then after I had my daughter you know I took some time off and we started traveling with her and then she turned 16 and really didn't want to travel with mom and then I my trips changed it was like solo trips and adventure trips and I think at that point that's when I really really said wow I love this extreme adventure you know and then I focused kind of on on sports and uh you know Treks that really challenged me. So, I guess, you know, the competition challenged me to be the best I could be always. And then the extreme adventure challenged me to face my fears because I have like a fear of heights and I do all these things like bungee jumping, you know, and jumping off buildings and rappelling down waterfalls. So, I think I just channeled that uh, adrenaline uh, junkie in me
1: into uh, doing these kind of trips. What's on the bucket list still, then, Cynthia? I mean, have you climbed like a big. mountain one of the really big ones i did i
2: i did um, uh the everest base camp i did wow uh, i did mount fuji i um i did the inca trail i did patagonia the w trek and uh actually i was scheduled in june to do the Dolomites, which is going across the alps from italy to switzerland and um That got canceled, so now it's put off until September. Uh, I think I've done pretty much all of them except Kilimanjaro, so I guess that, as far as trekking goes, is on my list. But I have to tell you, when I did Everest Base Camp, that was up over 19,000 elevation. Uh, the altitude really kicked my butt, and uh, that was yeah. <laughs> probably one of the most challenging things I've ever done. Is uh, do that because every single day we were trekking 10 to 12 hours, most all uphill mostly. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Cynthia, the last time... Well, we didn't speak last time. We did a sort of an email interview. Um, but I read that back and that was 10 years ago, which is crazy. Wow. It like that <laughs> yeah. At that stage, you were just coming back into the film industry. I think Skylar was maybe a teenager by that point. You mentioned in there that she was looking to get into acting. She wanted to move to New York. I just wondered if she... Has she pursued acting? Is that been something that she followed in the end
2: no actually she did no. not uh she okay. uh went...
1: are you relieved of that
2: <laughs> yes yes i am <laughs> yeah uh, okay. i mean now okay. you know still people will call me and they'll say hey you know will your daughter like to be in this uh, movie you know and and it's yeah. kind of like well no, i got i got to do this or I, and then when COVID hit she got offered like two roles just because she was my daughter and I'm like go ahead do it you'll make some money. She yeah. didn't want to because of COVID she was really nervous about it but uh, she's actually uh, uh, in college now and she's studying psychology and she kind of changed her version you know of life that uh, she wants to do something where she can help people and I love that so uh, yeah. I'm actually very proud of her and I'm glad that she did take this route because acting is <laughs> (laughs) very not a uh, a business that's
1: consistent (laughs) would you have been more concerned if she followed the acting path or a a fighting path you know (laughs) but
2: um, she does know martial arts and uh, and she knows enough of self-defense and a lot about awareness because I you know instilled that into her since she was little but I always thought you know when I had a daughter that they would be a mini me they would be like competing in martial art competitions (laughs) and you know following my route And it wasn't, it didn't happen, you know, she had her own plan. And, um, you know, as a parent, you can't, you know, you can't force what you would like them to do on them. So, uh, but, but yeah, I always thought, I thought, you know, that she would be like me, but
1: um,
2: (laughs) it didn't turn out that
1: path. You have kept quite busy over the last 10 years. I know you've worked with Don Wilson a fair bit on, on a few projects. When you approach a new film project nowadays, I mean, what are the sorts of, things you're looking for out of the the films that you make now would you would you say well
2: you know um before when i was doing movies it was like my life that's what i was doing and then um you know i stopped when i had my daughter so i i took probably i think in in like maybe 12 years i might have done like just two or three films and that was at the peak of my career And then when I started to get back into it, it was kind of like it wasn't the same thing. The whole action industry changed. They weren't doing as many, you know, especially the movies I did with independent film companies. They weren't even around. So it was kind of hard to get back into it. Uh, it, So then I just decided, you know, um, I was going to do seminars and uh, travel around the world of martial arts events. And that's what I was doing. And then the movie industry started picking up again. And then I started getting calls to do do movies. So um, I've done, I'd say probably in the last 10 years, maybe eight movies, you know, um, I have a couple slated for once, uh, you know, COVID is over and everybody gets into normal production. I have a couple for that, but now it's kind of like uh, I look at it differently. I look at it like it's something I love to do and it's, it's a fun, fun thing for me to do. I just like turned down a project uh, that I didn't want to do because I didn't feel it was right for me. So it's almost kind of like I can pick and choose. And now it's not so much like about before it was like a financial thing. You know, now it's kind of like, oh, yeah, I could do that for this. You know, some pay you high, some pay you low. It just depends on the project, you know, what it is. And uh, uh, basically, just a good character part. And yeah,
1: and, uh, yeah. So it is still the parts that that you're attracted to, good scripts, that that kind of thing, and good people as well. You know, you don't want to be hanging around with jerks, yeah. <laughs> I guess.
2: Yeah, well, no, you know, you know what? I've been lucky. I've never really had. Uh, I can't really say I've I've had bad productions. You know, and people yeah. I didn't like working with. I've been pretty lucky on that. And uh, I think it, it's more just uh, basically, you know, the script and what the part is, and um and, and you know, that's what I'd like to do. I'd like to do things that are different, you know, that's something yeah. that's totally different than I haven't done. And one of the things I'm doing right now, and actually, I think that thanks to, you know, being at home, I, we were able to focus on this more. Is I've always wanted to, uh, with Marlon Shoop, who is a, an expert expert. Uh, Comic book. uh, He draws like all the characters, and we've been talking about doing a comic book together. And finally, we decided we're just gonna, you know, do it now. And we got Gail Simone, who is probably the best, you know, in my opinion, uh, writers, especially for female characters. So she's gonna write it, and she's like, You, she's like, you know, the Cynthia Rothrock in the martial art world, the Gail Simone comic book world. So we're in the process of putting that together. And we're going to do our plan is, I guess, to do an 80 page graphic novel and then hope maybe we could uh, turn it into a movie. And we're kind of thinking a little bit of like, putting in elements of my life for real, you know, and it's funny because when she talks about it, it's like, oh, wow. Yeah. I have done things that comic book people could do. You know, (laughs) it's not like, you know, uh, like some of the places I've been, some of the things I've done. So I'm really excited about that project.
1: Is there plans to write uh, an autobiography or a memoir or just something to get a lot of these stories down? I mean, you know, it's, it's been an extraordinary life, hasn't it, Cynthia? (laughs) You know, it's, uh, you know, some incredible yeah. stories there. Would you think you would do that, write an autobiography or something?
2: Absolutely. You know, I've actually, yeah. when, I, when I was pregnant with my daughter... I thought, I'm going to write my book then because I can't really go out and do all the crazy things I was doing. So I'm yeah. going to write my book. And then I'd sit at the computer and I'd type and I'd get morning sickness or afternoon <laughs> or evening sickness from it. And I couldn't type. I just couldn't do it. So then a couple yeah. years later, I said, I'm going to do it again. And I I went and I said, I'm going to do what writers do. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go to Palm Springs and I'm going to lock myself up in a hotel room sure. for like yeah, four yeah. days and I'm just going to write. So I did that for two days. On the third day, I was like, Oh, I gotta, gotta go get a massage. And then the next day I'm gonna go swimming in the pool. So I, I attempted it, but it never happened. And now um I've had various people, uh writers, really good writers, you know, say, Hey, you know, I'd like to write your story. So it is definitely in the works. I just gotta get my mind down to do it. And one of the things I want to do from it is uh do a, a documentary also to coincide with yeah. because I think um I think it would be interesting. I've watched a lot of documentaries and, and I think from a, a you know, not just being a woman but the trials and tribulations of going through you know competing in men's division being the first woman on the cover of a magazine overcoming barriers and uh obstacles and uh you know to movies to adventure to spirituality i think and and such and i am really kind of a quirky person and i like to play jokes on people and i like to laugh and i think it would also be very humorous so i think uh you know that definitely uh is is in the making as well
1: have it. you' better give up <laughs> this notion of you being a role model being something of a uh... of a feminist icon in a way. I love the fact that your birthday is on the same day as International (laughs) Women's Day, by the way. I know, (laughs) about that, right? It's amazing, yeah. I mean, that couldn't have fallen uh, better, (laughs) really. But um, because you're right, you were, uh, uh, you know, a trailblazer in in many ways, not just in the film world, but in the martial arts world as well. I just wonder, yeah, how do you feel about that, sort of being described in those terms?
2: You know, I, I... I'm honored that I paved the way for a lot of women. Uh, I get a lot of women that are in stunts and and starting up in martial art movies and say, you know, because of you, you opened the doors, we could do that. Uh, One of the things that I'm really, really proud of, and it's kind of like I see as a legacy of my life that, Uh, I think through my, uh, movies, I have brought a lot of people into martial arts to study it. I've got a lot of people that say, Oh, I've, you know, men and women, I seen your movies and I started studying martial arts. And I think that's a great thing because I truly believe that everyone should know some sort of martial arts for self-defense, you know, to protect yourself or protect a loved one. And also that to me, it's like one of the best forms of exercise, but at the same time, you're learning how to defend yourself. So I think, uh, um, you know, being a role model for that. I love that. I love that. And, um, you know, a lot of people will say, uh, oh, I tell my daughter to watch her movies and this and that. And, you, you know, it's kind of like they say, you're like my daughter's role model, you know? And and and, and, I, and I love that, you know, because, you know, you've done done a good job. It wasn't just all fun and games. You're doing something yeah. to help
1: people. Yeah. and And let's not forget, I mean, you know, you were a big... Box office draw. Like I think you and Don Wilson were like the people, you know, in in that world. I mean, you must be very proud of that as well.
2: Yeah, you know, I I am because uh, I remember there was uh, Time Magazine had Don Wilson, myself, and Andrew Stevens actually, um, right, and and saying we were the top video sellers of all time. You know, yeah. at, during that period, you know, to be in Time Magazine, and we're like, oh my god, right. So I think, uh, you know, I just really think that we're put on this earth to follow a a specific path, a design for us. And some of us find it and some of us don't. And I definitely think I found the path on what, you
1: know, I should be doing in this life. And I'm curious to know, who were the women who were sort of inspiring you when you were growing up who were your inspirations
2: well you know it, it's funny because there weren't like you said a whole lot of women yeah but i yeah. do remember and i have never have had the opportunity <gasps> to meet her but uh actually uh bosun mark who is danian's mother uh,
1: yes yes does
2: wushu I've read her book and I've always like just kind of like I used to say, Oh, I'm going to try to copy her uniform and her poses and this and that and I knew yeah. she was in Boston and that was like always kind of my dream because she was like the only woman that I have really, you know, really knew and, and looked up to so yeah. Um,
1: Did you meet her? I or, have never or, met her. Isn't that no, funny? Okay. No, I haven't That's never interesting, met her. yeah.
2: And I think I told yeah. Donnie, I told him, I said, yeah. you know, your mother was my idol, you know, <laughs> when I was growing up. And other than that, it was Jackie Chan. You know, I grew up yeah. watching Jackie Chan movies, so I wanted to emulate his
1: moves and be like him. When you were learning martial arts, you didn't experience any sexism towards you or was it all b- b- quite a positive experience
2: uh, you know what uh, no i mean in general it was i felt when i was competing and i always competed against the men in the weapons division and in 1982 i was number one in the whole united states of north america on weapons yeah. and that was competing with the men and that was something i thought wow really hard thing to do um because i felt like I couldn't be just as good as them. I had to be so much better and and shine so much that I would get better scores because I felt, of course, you know some of the some of the people still, you know, like I would get little comments saying, "Oh, that's because you you know you have um, uh, little diamonds on your uniform," you know, because I had a kung fu uniform. I'm going. I wish I had diamonds on. Right. And you know, I was on Karate Illustrated, the first woman on there, and uh, Renato Barden was the editor, and he had a fight really hard to get me on and he was told you know women and minorities will not sell and he fought and fought and put me on and then i remember one of the competitors said to me uh, oh how'd you get on the cover did you sleep with the editor and i was like no why is that how you got on the cover
1: <laughs> good one
2: so, you know, I, a couple things here and there, and definitely in the movies that, you know, not in Hong Kong. I mean, Hong Kong embraced me and put me as a lead in all the movies. But in yeah. America, when I was starting out, it was like kind of, no, we can't have a woman lead. We have to have the the man as the lead. You're the, the partner. And in the end, he comes and saves you. You know, you fight, but in the end, he comes and saves the day. Uh, and even though I did China O'Brien, which was one of my first uh, – um, English movies was a huge hit worldwide, uh, except America. <laughs> you know, so so gradually I had to change it until, until you know I started uh, you know doing American movies where where I was the lead, and then uh, the producers found oh wow we can make money with her. So uh, you know so I started getting more. Um, it was breaking that a stigma that you know women in action you know can't sell
1: there's a few movies of yours i'm thinking sworn to justice is a really good one where you're getting really decent characters they're demanding of you from an acting sense as well and your acting did you know it developed didn't it over over the years in in hollywood to a point where you felt quite um accomplished then as a as a more rounded actor then the longer you were doing it
2: you know, when I did Sworn to Justice, that's when things started changing. Yeah. Um, you know, the Paul Maslick was like, you know what, we wanna we wanna show you as a sexy woman, not just like, you know, the the cop or the tomboy girl neighbor next door. We wanna change your attitude and we wanna give you like a really uh um a, a meaty part where you really have to study. And they sent me to uh, an acting school, uh, Ivana Chovic school, and take some acting lessons. And she was also working with me on, on the character. And I was working with people that I was in awe of, like Brad Dorff, you know, and uh, Walter Koenig and um, Tony Lobianco. I mean, like, I'm not working with martial art actors. I'm working. I'm working with an Academy Award winner, you know. Yeah. And um, I remember, like, I was so nervous to work with Brad. And when we did the scene, he kissed me on the cheek. And he said that was an Oscar performance. And from that point on, I was just like, wow, you know, instead of being afraid to work with people that are so good, I can learn from them and they pull out better performances in me. And I think from that point on, uh, something changed a little bit, especially in my mind about acting that, you know, the the acting role was just as important as the action.
0: You bastard. Come on then.
1: Well I saw an advert for KFC on YouTube and it said it was 1983. So would that have been your first acting?
2: That was. Is that right? That was. Yeah. And I remember when they called me to do it. How that happened was is I was on the cover I was on the cover of Karate Illustrated magazine. And Kentucky Fried Chicken was looking for five people in the sports industry that were the best in their field. And they called me and they said, oh, yeah, you're the best in martial arts here. So uh, they said, we want you to do this Kentucky Fried Chicken. And at that time, I was living in San Jose, California. And they're like, we're going to fly you first class. I never flew first class. And I was like, oh, but I'm in San Jose. It was like a 40-minute flight. They didn't even have a first (laughs) class, right? And then I remember, um, you know, they – it was in the studio and I was in awe. I was like the first time I was ever in a a movie studio that they built the whole Kentucky fried chicken
1: store. Yeah. That was a whole set because you sort of do, we should describe to people, you do a sort of karate chop and then you, you split the, uh the i think it's like a block and then it, it's so hard it's it's causes a split in the in the earth right <laughs> that's it's what so happens funny. the whole set and separates it, and it's
2: so funny because in 1983 they didn't have like the special effects so yeah. I mean, they had this <laughs> this mechanical uh machine that pulled the blocks apart they're like kind of Amazing. you know i mean it it doesn't look like real It was really funny and, and i remember they said oh we're going to give you two hundred dollars to go have dinner and i was like I'm going to go get a $10 pizza, and I'm going to have $190 left.
1: (laughs) (laughs) That's amazing. It's funny, um, too.
2: I was so afraid I was going to forget my lines, right? And I would over them over a million times, you know, and almost like to this day, I still remember (laughs) because I went over them
1: so much. I mean, did you have aspirations to to get involved in in films at that point? Or no. was it just a fun thing to at do? At that time, yeah.
2: I didn't. Yeah. I, I didn't do my first film until 1985. So to me, yeah. it was like, oh, my God. And I remember they like paid me, I think they paid me $15,000, right? And I was like, oh, my God, I'm wow. like a millionaire now, you know? And I was like, uh, and, you know, even after that, um, you know, after that, I got a couple calls actually to do movies, but uh, nothing really happened until I did. Yes, madam.
1: You were training in Kung Fu. You joined Ernie Reyes' demo team. You were tour around the world doing Wushu. Is that, is that right?
2: Well, uh, what happened was I started off in Tung Do, Then I went into Shaolin Kung Fu. Then I went into Eagle Claw Kung Fu. And then I was introduced to Wushu. And I really, really wanted to learn Wushu. And yeah. um, there was none of it anywhere it was only on the west coast so uh, i was competing i i was number one i I won like the first major tournament took first place and it was in new jersey and everybody's like you need to you need to travel you need to travel and uh and compete in all the number one you know the a-rated competitions and uh, there was one coming up in california so i met george chung And the west coast demonstration team at one of the i think in chicago and they're like well come out to california and i planned on coming out just for a month uh they set me up uh, in an apartment like a a room right next to the studio and uh i would go there and train and then i met roger tongue and i was training with him in seattle and also uh Ernie Reyes had the team then, and they were like, "I would, I was in awe of them. I'm like, oh my god, they're so good. They train so hard too." And then he said, "You want to be on the team?" And I was like, "Absolutely!" So he was very innovative. Uh, He would uh, study wushu from uh, I think Anthony Chan. He would learn the Escrima sticks. He would learn like everything and put it into the demonstration. And we worked hard. I mean, he was really tough on us, Uh, and we traveled. Yeah, we traveled all over the place. Um, and uh I think you know, even when I look back, then the precision and and the movement back for that day was so was so awesome. You know, you're so you know, good, you're so good. Back,
1: you know, back then, yeah. There is footage you've put on your YouTube channel of you doing things a long fist form, is that right? And I've seen a few different things and yeah. weapons forms.
2: Yeah, and... yeah. Well, I went so to China good. too. I went to
1: yeah yeah china was sort of opening up early 80s this is isn't it so you couldn't just go down the road and there was a wushu school it was it was quite a specialist thing in america at the time is that is that right
2: i mean the only people that i knew in the entire united states doing it was anthony chan in san francisco you know and i would go and train with him and roger Tong in seattle and uh I, I've seen, you know, I've seen them compete. And I Nobody had Wushu here in the States at that time. So if you wanted yeah. to learn, you had to go to China. And China was not open to foreigners. I remember it took a lot of uh, a lot of, uh, you know, visas and, you know, going through government yeah. uh, documents and stuff to get in. And it was very, very strict. I remember when I went in there, they took my magazine away. I had an L magazine. And they're like, oh, no, no, that's propaganda. You know, I mean, um, wow. things were really really tough back at that time. And when we went, we went to Chengdu, and went there for eight weeks. And we went with about probably about 12 people, Roger took 12 of us. And one of one of my friends was, um, was uh, Clarence, and he was six foot five African American. And we're in the mountains of China. And we would attract crowds every day, because number one, they've never seen anybody with blue eyes, because I have blue eyes, right? Yeah. And They've never seen African American person there. Because they were, they, wow. it wasn't time to go in. And we yeah. would practice on Sunday on our days off, like out in the, out in the area. And we would have the first day we had about 60 people watching us. And the next Sunday we had about like 200. And then we had like a thousand people like just watching us and just, wow. they were trying to stare at my eyes and look at him. And it was, it, it was, it was crazy, you know, back then, uh, because it, it, China really wasn't open and we had this special, you know, uh, permission to come in
1: because this was sort of before even Jet Li was a big name I mean were you out there learning wushu then off people in in China then the actual the masters in in China
2: yes yeah uh yes yeah. Uh, actually Jet Li was current champion at the time yeah. I, I he was in Beijing I went to Chengdu it's funny I've never met uh Jet Li either <laughs> to, to, to oh, really? I haven't met <laughs> <read> him <laughs>
1: You must have met most of the legends, though, I'm ge- I'm guessing. I have.
2: I've um, met most yeah. of them. I'd have to say probably, you know, he he's about the only one maybe you yeah. know, that I haven't met.
1: You met Jackie Chan?
2: Oh, yeah. Did yeah, you? absolutely. Yeah, yeah I, was, uh, I was working. I was actually supposed to do a movie with him. I was supposed to do Armor of God. I was supposed to play the this yeah. and that. And uh, that's yeah. when he got hurt. And he couldn't film for, I guess, almost two years. And then Golden Harvest, I was contracted with them. And they said, OK, well, instead of doing uh, Armor of God, we're going to put you in Writing wrongs with you.
0: Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, What the f- are you talking about, you insane Hollywood a*****?
1: it's the butterfly style cory Yoon quay and seasonal films are in the states they're auditioning they're looking for a new bruce lee is that right
2: that's correct yep they were looking yeah for, they were looking for a guy to be the next bruce lee
1: so they must have had what turned into yes madam they must have went out there with that film in mind and that was going to be a sort of new Bruce Lee project. Is that, is that right? No,
2: Actually not. They did not have a film in mind and, uh, they were here, they were just looking for the talent and then they were trying sure. to find someone and then build it around them. And, uh, I went down, uh, to, uh, Actually, Paul Maslick, he was the editor, of, he was also the director of uh, Sworn to Justice. He was the editor of Inside Kung Fu. And he called Ernie Reyes and said, hey, they're looking for a guy to be in this movie, uh, to, you know, to be like the next Bruce Lee. It's a Hong Kong company. And you know, your guys are like one of the best around. You know, can you fly down and bring them down? Uh, the auditions are at Heel Cho School. And he said, what about the girls? And he was like, oh, yeah, well, you can bring them, but they're looking for a guy. So yeah. we all went down and there were like hundreds of martial artists there. And Yun Kui was, uh, he was the main guy. I don't know who else was even there, but I just remember him. And, uh, he said, I want to go with the girl. So, yeah. uh, sees it's with seasonal films. So seasonal film signs me up and, uh, I did something with Peter Jennings but, you know, Peter Jennings was like one of the most famous newscasters and they did a little thing on me, uh, being like, you know, number one and saying, look out Hong Kong, here she comes. Well, seasonal films hasn't done anything with me. And now this is about a year, a y- little bit longer going by. And Sam hung sees world news tonight in Hong Kong. And he calls up you and He's like, who is this girl? Who's this girl that they're saying is coming to Hong Kong. And, uh, he said, oh, yeah, she's contracted with Seasonal Films. And he's like, I, I want her. So they, con- I actually did uh, Yes, Madam, right, because of, of Sam-O seeing me. And then after I did Yes, Madam, Seasonal Films said, oh, wow, that was a big hit. Let me put her in a film. And then I did No yeah. Surrender. <laughs> but uh, I always use that as, you know, a, a thing, you know, when people are, you know, acting or, or whatever, that maybe – the producers might think, you know, you're not right for the part because you, you're not what they're looking for. But if you can go in there and blow their minds with what you do, whether it's martial arts or acting, you could change their minds.
1: And did Corey You never tell you what he saw in you at that audition to to pick you? I mean, do you know why, why you stu- stood out?
2: I think, no, he never told me why, but I okay. think because I... I I did some forms, I did some weapons, I did self defense, and then I did some fighting. So I think he was just going, wow, you know, I've never seen like a, 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 a an American girl like this that could fight like that, you know. Yeah, and, yeah, uh, yeah. I think. And he
1: must have known visually what that would have looked like for the film. Maybe that was it. Well,
2: that, you know that, what? Yeah. He 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 just said, "Yes, this girl, I, I could." she could be a big star right and uh what yeah. happened is when he went back and then then they they saw what i could do then they came together with yes madam and dmb did it and michelle yo was uh dixon poon's wife at that time so yeah. he was looking for something to put his wife in a film and they were like yeah let's put these two together and then that's how the the concept
1: came yeah i love the fact you and michelle yo started your careers on the on the same film it's just uh, it, it's just incredible Corey Yoon, just quickly, obviously you guys must have worked well together because, you know, he's he's casting you a lot in his projects in Hong Kong. I mean, what was what was that working relationship like with, with him?
2: You know, to this day he's still one of my favorites to work with, a director. And yeah. I would love absolutely if you said to me right now. Who would you like to do a movie with? I would love to do another movie with him. He would be like on my right. top list. And because he's just a genius for action, uh, I really don't think it gets any better than him. And uh it, he was tough. He was very tough. He didn't speak English, but he would try to be nice to me. But I remember, like, especially in Yes Madam, the first uh first scene I did was the airport scene, and I'm fighting Eddie Mayer. And uh he he I was doing an elbow to him and Yun Quay kept saying harder, harder, harder. He learned the word harder for English. Yeah. That's one he knew harder. And Eddie is in my ear going, No, please, that's so hard. I can't take it. And I was like going, Oh my God, what do I do? Who do I listen to? You know? <laughs>
1: He must have known your strengths as as well though and he he knew how to use you properly to show you off you know in the moves that you could yes. do. So
2: Absolutely and he knew that I was uh I was tough. I would do whatever he said and if I couldn't get it I would just work on it until I got it. Uh you know, I've got hurt many times on his films and yeah. I remember one time I got hit in the nose like we were doing um uh I think it was in Yes, Madam, and, and this guy was, uh, was it the chain or it was a sword. He turned around and hit, when I'm doing the ending fight scene with all those guys with weapons, which it gets really yep. dangerous, you know, when you have all these weapons coming at you really fast, because it doesn't, only takes a second of someone being off to get hit. And I got yeah. hit in the nose, and my nose swelled up, and my eyes were tearing, and he comes <laughs> over to me, and he looks at me, and he goes, oh, your nose looks better now. <laughs> <laughs> And I was like, thanks, you know, but uh, very good working relationship.
1: There was never a point then where you were like, what have I signed up for here? This is, this is too much. Oh
2: yes, there are many points. (laughs) Not on that film, but I think after I did uh, Lady Reporter, right? Yeah. Uh, there were, like, a couple, like, hairy scenes in that, and I, and I was, I got hurt, like, so, so bad in that, that you're thinking, oh, my God, the next one, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, th- I'm gonna die, because on the next one, I remember Mong Hoy was telling me, okay, we're gonna have you jump from this high-rise building, but there's not gonna be uh, any airbag, because I want to show it that there's nothing there, and I was like, I was panicking then, and I wasn't even doing the movie yet, right? And then, uh then Golden Harvest said, oh, we want you to do China O'Brien. And I'm like, China O'Brien? And then like in English and in Utah. And I was like, oh, yeah, okay. yeah. I don't, I'm not going to have to do that like 25-story building, you know, that high rise.
1: <laughs> was there a stunt that you ever said no to?
2: no. I've okay. always tried everything they said, wow. but okay. uh, there there were some of them that I thought, "Oh my God, I could die on
1: this." The level of realism is in there; is it's quite extreme, isn't it? Even to this day, it's um, it's oh, yeah. amazing to watch. But it's full contact, and what you see, there's no trickery there, is there? Really, <laughs> you
2: know? No, no, you're you're getting hit, and I mean, one of the things I remember we were shooting uh, Lady Reporter, and I, I had to come around a corner and I knew I was going to get hit in the face. And I don't remember if it was with a foot or a stick, but I couldn't even blink or flinch, you know, and that's you're really getting hit in the face. You know, I mean, yeah. uh, it, it, it was brutal. You had to be really, really a tough person and take a lot of, of, of physical pain. Oh. He destroyed our clan. He's so cruel. He killed all my friends. I had to kill him.
1: When you went out there then you knew Jackie Chan films you knew the Bruce Lee movies the kung fu movies so you knew of Hong Kong action cinema I mean you were you were aware of the films is that is that right
2: yeah, because um, when I, I was studying with Shum Liang in New York, I was studying Eagle Claw and I would drive from Scranton to New York, which is about two and a half hours every Sunday, train with him. Then he would take us to Chinatown to have dinner and watch a Hong Kong movie. So I gotcha. would that's where I started seeing the Jackie Chan movies. That's why I knew who Jackie yeah, Chan yeah. was and seeing like all those kind of period films. Uh, they were all period films, actually. None of them were modern yeah. I went to do Yes, Madam. I thought I was doing a period film. I didn't even know yeah. I didn't know what to expect. I thought they were going to put black braids on me and I was going to be, uh, you know, I was going to be Asian. <laughs> you know? yeah, yeah. Yeah. I, I had no idea. And I was so shocked when they said, no, your name is Cindy and you're an inspector from England. And I went, oh, my God. And I wear regular clothes. And I was kind of bummed out because I love the outfits, you know, the, the they, yeah. they look like kung fu uniforms, you know, and I, I wanted to wear that so bad instead of jeans and a jean jacket
1: but nothing could have prepared you for for what's the the type of films that you were making there was no sort of reference point for you at that stage when you started doing yes madam
2: oh no i knew i yeah. knew nothing other than yeah. the fried chicken about filming, yeah. about filming action you know uh about saying a lot of lines in a movie you know and and it was kind of, it was it, I always say it was the greatest place for me to learn because we never had a script. They give you your lines while you were there and you, sometimes you wouldn't even know what's going on in the scene. Like I was doing uh, Magic Crystal and um, the director said, look up at the ceiling and I'm like, well, what am I looking at? And he goes, oh, just look at the ceiling, right? So I'm looking at the ceiling and there's little holes in the wall and I'm counting the holes. I don't know what I'm thinking, right? And then i see the movie and i see i'm looking at aliens invading the earth and i'm going oh my god now don't you think that would have been a little important information to tell me
1: you'd been to hong kong before on your sort of wushu travels yes
2: i went i went uh, went to hong kong with uh, my eagle claw teacher, and I remember he would take us to the head of the uh, Yingjiao Pai Association, and I remember we'd be in their apartments, and they would move all the furniture, and they'd say, "Okay, do your form, do your form." <laughs> you know? right, yeah. That was quite, quite common. I'm like, "What, right here in this little space?" You know, and they're like, "Yeah, yeah, yeah," you know. So I went there for training uh, uh, prior, yeah. but I really didn't get to experience too much because it was all, like I said, back in that day, all. All I was focused on was training. That was it. That's all I wanted to do.
1: But when you were living there, obviously, you know, I'm guessing, you know, you had your favorite restaurants you'd go to, and then you had, you know, I don't know, a local gym that you'd go to. I mean, you were you, you were living out there.
2: Oh, yeah. Yeah. I, uh, I remember the first day I went, um, they put me in a, a holiday inn. And there was a monsoon. And for three days, I could not leave the hotel. I couldn't talk to anybody. I didn't talk to anybody from the film. I remember I had a book. I had Taipan, that book, and I was reading that. And it's so thick, you know, if you know what it is. I read it like in a day on the TV. There was nothing on English until like about one movie would come on at night or something. And that was it. And I was like, I couldn't leave the room. And it wasn't a nice holiday. And it was a really old one. There was nothing there, you know. And I was like, oh, my God, what am I doing? doing here you know and then once after the three days passed and then people started coming around and we started getting ready for the film but that was like welcome to Hong Kong.
1: (laughs) Well did you have many friends then because I know well there's always been a tradition in Hong Kong cinema of the Guaylo, the white actor that goes out there usually plays a villain and gets um, uh, beaten up Um, but did you know people when you were out there did you make friends at all?
2: Well, I knew no one, and yeah. I didn't know what to expect. I'm I'm in the plane, and I'm thinking I'm going to Hans Island, you know, <laughs> from the from yes. dragon. <laughs> I had no idea what to expect at all. And uh, one of the first people I met was Amy Chin, who was uh, or Amy Chow. She was uh, uh, Raymond Chow's daughter, and she was one of the producers on this film. And she spoke English, and she was the only one at that point that spoke English to me. So uh, we kind of like became like friends, and then um, I met Michelle uh, really uh, early on. You know, we were doing yes, and then she became friends with me, and then you know, then I met. She was
1: Michelle, Michelle Khan. Then is that right?
2: No, she was actually uh, what was Chu King Chu King Yo. That's okay.
1: what, yeah. Oh, Chu King.
2: That was what she was called, and then she changed it and changed it. But yeah, yeah when yeah. I knew, when I knew it was Chu King, we became really really good friends. So we hung out pretty much all the time, and and then uh, we would, you know, her husband was Dixon, you know, and then we would go to dinner, and then you know, and then gradually you meet, you know, people mostly the people that could speak a little bit of English. Like it was funny. Yeah. Like, Yun Bu didn't speak English, right, when I did the movie. And you're kind of like, hi. Mm, and it, you had to communicate all through action.
1: <laughs> but then over time, Steve Tartaglia, Vincent Lin, Jeff Falcon, these sort of guys start appearing in in Hong Kong action films. Did you become quite chummy with, with those guys as well? I know you worked with quite a few of them.
2: Yeah, I have. Uh, you know, uh, actually, Vincent Lin is one of my best friends. Uh, yeah. Conan Lee. You know came on yeah 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 and then they would uh you know uh Richard Norton of course was there and yeah. that's when I became um friends with Richard <laughs> you know so I think all the American actors you know we all kind of like oh my god hey yeah you know, cause, yeah because I remember going to dinner and everybody would speak um can- Cantonese and I never knew what I would just sit there the whole time and just eat meat meat right and then I said okay well i'm going to study chinese because i don't i'm going with all these people i don't know anything they're saying and they're like okay we'll do mandarin because it's easier well that didn't help because everybody spoke cantonese so then i tried yeah. it, after about a, a year then i started doing cantonese you know which was a much wow. harder language to do they never could understand me anyway and i sort of just got by like with like um hand signals and hand signals
1: marks. yeah yeah <laughs> But didn't Yen Kuei, he used used to use you a lot for the translating for some of the other actors, because after a few films, I guess, you got used to how things worked, I suppose. Right,
2: right. And it wasn't so much because of the dialogue. It's just that I knew him well, that I knew what he wanted, right? So I could... Portray it to the actors that were there.
1: <laughs> and when you were on set, because you've got that direct experience between working on a Hong Kong set and then working in Hollywood, did it feel equal?
2: Yeah. I mean, I, th- they never, ever said, oh, you're a girl, you can't do this. It was always like it was 100% totally equal as far as uh, the fighting goes. Oh. I wasn't like treated any, any different than anybody else. And it was good because that uh, added to making me a much stronger person.
1: And working with Samo, we should say obviously Millionaire's Express or Shanghai Express. You got that great fight scene with with Samo. Mm-hmm. Was that intimidating working with with him? He's, he's quite when he's directing. He's the, he's the boss, isn't he? Everyone looks up yeah, to to Samo. Very yeah. much.
2: Yeah. Uh, yes, it was very intimidating for me because I just knew him slightly. And yes, madam, I think he had a very small part. Right? oh uh,
1: yeah, he did. Yeah.
2: yeah, I wasn't in that part, but I knew he was the he was the one that got me over there. So I really didn't get to know until we were doing uh shanghai express yeah. <laughs> there's my dog again um and uh basically on uh on uh that movie everybody was telling me oh you know we feel sorry for you fighting with Samo because he's really strong and he really hurts people so i was a little bit nervous about fighting him because he was a big guy and 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 that's even the stunt people were telling me they didn't like to fight with him. <laughs> but
1: wow really
2: but once you know we we you know got in a working relationship, you know it, it, it you know it it worked. It was really good. Then I wasn't intimidated because I knew he was also an incredible director as well.
1: Hong Kong is obviously you, you have a lot of affection for Hong Kong. Is it is it a place that you've been back to on your travels? Do you go there quite a bit still?
2: You know I haven't been back actually since ninety two. I've been there oh, wow. like on a stopover. Uh, from uh airport, and I was like, wow, my God, the airport is so different. And they're like, well, you wouldn't believe how, t- how Hong Kong has changed since then. So I would totally love to go back, you know, but most of my friends and everybody that I worked with in the film industry, I don't even, they, they're not in Hong Kong now. Who knows? They're all like all over the place. So I wouldn't even know like, who to contact if I went there to see who was still there.
1: I know who you are, you bastard. Your time has come. Then your son. Were you ready to leave then? Because you'd been there for three years. I've got seven Hong Kong films during that time. So you know, that's quite a there's quite a lot of work to do in in quite a short space of time. So were you were you eager to get out of there?
2: <laughs> you know, I I wasn't. I wasn't. I mean, I was eager to do uh, like when I was doing China O'Brien, right? Like Sylvester Stallone called me and wanted me to do a movie with him called The Executioner, which never went. But anyway, I was thinking, wow, this is great. I mean, I loved Hong Kong. I love the action, but at the same time I missed, you know, I missed being in America. I miss my mom, uh, you know, uh, everything was different than I remember like when I came, when I would come home, like it would be so awesome just to drive my car. It's like, Oh my God, I've not driven in a year. <laughs> and um, just going into the supermarkets, you know, like over there, this, at that time the supermarkets were like a big seven 11 and you'd have like maybe three boxes of cereal. And I just remember like going, Oh my God, look at this. There's a whole line of cereal boxes, you know? So, you know, little things like that, you know, Yeah. yeah. and, you know, you know when i look back at it you know if i probably stayed in hong kong i probably would have had you know a little bit probably escalation in in my movies or what i would have done but you know i i would love to go back but i don't even know like what the film industry is there now you know who's doing movies yeah. what companies there um <clears throat> but at some point, I would really love to work with Corey Yoon and get back into that kind of action because I do yeah. believe that is the best. And, you know, yes, we're a lot older, but, you know, in my mind, I, I, well, even in my body, I still can, can do that type of action. Yeah, and, gotcha. Um,
1: well, I've seen course. I've seen your recent movies. You can definitely still, <laughs> you still got the moves.
2: Yeah, but, but, you know, it's not the same, even the, you know, the American movies. And, and number one reason is, you know, we did Yes, Madam. That was a seven and a half month shoot. I yeah. mean, unless you're doing like you know, Wonder Woman and you have a hundred and fifty million dollar budget, you know, most of the movies I do are are shot within you know three weeks, four weeks. So you don't yeah. have that luxury and time to really uh, or the budget to focus on that type of
1: action. That must have been quite an adjustment, I'm guessing, Cynthia, once you started working, in hollywood with directors that didn't really know how to direct action that that must have been was that ever frustrating
2: yes it was very frustrating because remember i'm used to all this like hong kong action and it was like oh my god i'm shooting american movies i don't have to even wear a pad on me you know and when i was shooting hong kong i my wardrobe was always like can I? put pads on my arms and put them on my shins, you know, and it was like, I don't have to even wear a pad like this. You know, to me, it was like, oh, okay, that's kind of awesome, right? I could wear tighter fitting clothing. Um, But when I came back to the stunt people were telling me don't hit them so hard. And I'm like, but I was so used to hitting hard. And that was one of the things I had to really do is, you know, yeah. not, not hit. I mean, even they didn't even really want me to touch. And I was like, but I'd, I'd like to touch a little bit so you feel it. Because if I'm fighting with someone um, and they're punching me, say like, you know, I'd like to get tapped a little bit in the body so I can react much better. Because you don't yeah. see it coming, you know, it's like not. And so that was a big adjustment for me is to change the, the way I was fighting and then, uh, you know, some of them would just not cut it the way they cut it in Hong Kong. I tried to get Corey Yoon to be the action director uh, in Puerto Rico. It was called Outside the Law. And yeah. and I was saying, can I get him? And they're like, well, yes, if we can afford him. And I remember I called him and Corey Yoon was like, oh, my salary is more than the budget of your movie. <laughs> and I was like, okay. <laughs> I think he was working with Jet Li at the time. And he told me, he said, just look at yeah. Yes, Madam, and just copy the scene. <laughs>
1: Heard, <laughs> Is that what he said?
2: That's what he said. And I was like, well, that's not easy because the other people that I'm working with can't do the other parts. <laughs>
1: Would you try and suggest on some of those sets? You know, how about you film from here? Or was it just not that was just yeah, not the way? Sometimes that yeah. Were.
2: You know, I tried to work with <laughs> choreographers that kind of know my action. And even though maybe the action isn't as complicated because they don't have the time to do it or or the stunt people uh, if if something looked funny i might say you maybe want to shoot it from this side but pretty much you know um pretty much that everybody was pretty good with you know angles and
1: what we were doing and shooting just on that point with sylvester stallone did you meet with stallone at any point during that that process with that that movie how far did that get
2: Yeah, I did. I actually, I was shooting China O'Brien and I remember I came in, it was two o'clock in the morning. I'm with Richard Norton and I have this, we always would go to the desk and say any messages. And I have a message called William Freakin. And I looked at Richard and I said, you write this? And he's like, what? I said, call William Freakin." You know, he's like, (laughs) no. So it's two in the morning. So I can't call. So I wait the next morning and I call and I'm like, "Uh, is William in there, you know, because I thought someone's gonna was pulling a gag on me, right? Because I knew him from The Exorcist and Live and Die in LA, cruising all these movies. And he goes, Yeah, this is this is uh, William Franken. And he goes, I'm uh, directing a movie with Sylvester Stallone, and we would like to have a meeting with you of putting you in as the co star. And he's going, Cynthia, I'm talking about the co star now, I'm like almost fainting, right? And I'm like, Well, I'm shooting China O'Brien, and I I shoot every day except Sunday. (laughs) And he's like, well, we're going to fly you in next Sunday. So he picked me up at the airport. He goes, we're going to meet Sylvester Stallone. Joel Silver was producing, who was a big producer at the time. And the guys that were writing the script were from Robocop. You know, they they wrote Robocop. Mm. So this is an incredible team. I go in, I meet Stallone. I'm sitting out there. They said, can you sit outside for a while? And they come in and they said, here's a contract. We're signing you up. They paid me more than I've ever been paid in my life to do this movie because at that time it was pay or play. And Stallone says, I'll take you back to the airport. So we were talking and, uh, I go back and I shoot China O'Brien and I'm like in a fog. I'm going, Oh my God, I just signed a contract to go with Sylvester Stallone. Right. Yeah. (laughs) And, um, I finished China O'Brien, and I come back, and I go to the office, and I meet with the writers and William Freakin' and William Freakin grabs the script, throws it on the desk. He goes, this is shit. He goes, uh, Cynthia, if you have something else to do, go do it. And I was like, oh, do you mean that this might not happen, this movie? And he goes, that's right. I'm not going to direct this. And, and the whole project fell apart.
1: <laughs> oh, no. What a shame.
2: Yeah. So then – and Sylvester Stallone's company called me and they said, We want to sign you for three movies. And they offered me a little bit more money. And now I'm thinking, Okay, this is a white eagle. And I'm going, All right, it's, it's resurfaced. Oh my God. Right. And at this point, yeah. now I moved to LA. I'm living in Beverly Hills. Right. Um, and uh, and then Golden Harvest wanted me to do China O'Brien uh, three yes. and four, which I wanted to do. And yep. at that time, they put me with uh, ICM. with – stallone's agent and stallone and uh the, his attorney and icm said no you can't do that but i want but i want to do it i want to do it. No, you can't do hong kong movies that was their thing and i think that was probably the biggest mistake i've ever done is not doing that because i'm like oh my god okay well i'm going to be doing this uh stallone movies i you know i got to listen to what they say and then that never went either because uh he he got uh offers i think to do more rambles and more uh, yeah uh, uh, uh rockies and uh it, everything just kind of went away then
1: and did you know what sort of scripts they wanted to sort of send your way
2: no but i know he was doing that movie with uh kurt russell it was a buddy movie i remember him telling the director saying can i use cynthia as the partner in this one and the director said no <laughs> so <laughs> he tried on that one.
1: <laughs> was that tango and cash? Yes, yeah, that that's really? what it was. That's, yeah. yes, exactly.
2: Yeah. That was it. And uh, wow. yeah, he was telling me he tried to get in on it, and then and then I don't know what happened. I think um, you know. Uh, like agents are crazy. And to me, it's not about the money. I would have done it for free. You know, I would have done it yeah. for free with Stallone, like, and, and I still would. But uh, they were like, well, since he wasn't going to, his company folded, and he was going to do this other stuff. And, and, and my agent was like, well, you still got to pay her the rest of the money. And I was like, no, no, you know, it's, uh, you know, it's more than I ever got. And they just, uh, you know, agents did it I think what ended up happening is that I never heard from Salon again and I think it was probably because of that which was totally not my fault but I haven't yeah. seen him nor spoke to him since that day
1: wow well I mean do you do you have any regrets then about any of that or just sort of signing with the eight but what what else would you have done if you've been offered that situation of course you sign with the agent you follow you do what they say because that's I the next that. logical step and
2: i'm thinking oh my god i'm shooting a, mo- a movie with sylvester stallone as a partner you know yeah and, yeah uh, the executioner was like a, a buddy film it was like kind of like tango and cash but right we were yeah. like we were buddies and he wanted to do everything by the book and i was crazy and didn't want to you know wanted to do all these uh you know other crazy things kind of like irresistible course a bit but uh you know what i look at it this way do i wish i would have done china o'brien three and four absolutely uh you know nothing really came of it being with a big agency but you know your life is uh is you know whatever happened with my life today might not be the same if i would have done that and you know who knows i always look at it this way like maybe i might not have had my daughter you know maybe i would have been another path so i don't have regrets but uh, I just know probably yeah, my life probably would have would have been a little bit different if I, I made different decisions, but I think that's life. Everybody does that, you know. You make your decisions and some some are right and some are wrong and some you learn from and some, you know, you just move on from.
0: Oh! You help me and we'll split the money.
1: And then you sort of worked quite solidly then in the low budget worlds. But as we say, you know, a very lucrative industry as well. That sort of straight to video scene, and China O'Brien was a huge hit. You know, I mean, I remember seeing that that growing up, and it was uh, a big movie. Yeah.
2: And you know, we're like, you know, we're loving work. We're we're working. I was working like nonstop, and you know, it's not like you're in an A movie. I think you know, like just one, uh, you know. Uh, like Shirley Theron, which she makes in one movie, uh, not, uh, probably all of us martial artists that have done independent films can't even <laughs> get as much yeah. as that but you know uh it was it was a it was a great living and the main thing is is that we loved what we were doing like loved going to your job and like how cool is this i'm working on a movie and this is how i'm making my living you know
1: yeah yeah absolutely and working with good buddies i mean i know you did a lot of movies with richard norton i've spoken to richard norton on this show and uh just such a sweet guy lovely guy you're so in touch with with Richard? Yes. Is he a good, good buddy? Yeah. yeah.
2: Yes. Yes. Uh, he's living in Australia at the moment. So I, I haven't yeah. seen him like too much because he's been spending a lot of time there, but yeah. Um, we're, we're still good friends. And uh, I've done a lot of movies with Don Wilson and he's one of yeah. my best friends and I'm a, a, a scheduled to do one with Vincent Lynn uh, in the Great. future. Uh, so, you know, I, I, a lot of, uh, People I've worked with have become like not not just uh, my good friends, but my my best friends. You know. So. Yeah.
1: Um, you've got to get Richards back in for China O'Brien three. I think. I think that's what's uh, that's what needs yeah. to happen.
2: You know, I did the interview with Scott Atkins, and he said he would love to do it. He would love. Yeah. To-
1: yeah. Well, there you go. And I said, get I'm Scott holding in there.
2: you to it. I'm holding you to it.
1: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Looking back, you must be immensely proud of the work that you've done particularly in in hong kong you know during those yeah. during yeah. those years yeah,
2: yeah definitely i mean they were definitely my best uh, fight scenes um you know that's why i said i would love to do that again like do one now i mean and i think how cool would that be you know after yeah what, 30 years or something and you still can do it and you're still looking pretty good you know and you could have like a little bit more you know come up with a good hong kong script you know more of, yeah like as you, as you got older, you know, um, Would
1: you ever like produce your own films? Maybe Cynthia, would you look to do that?
2: I don't know. You know what? Mm-hmm. I, I probably, if I probably, you know, I just love life. I love spending uh, time with my daughter. I love spending time with my animals. You know, I love spending time with my mom who recently passed. Um, and, and I love traveling and I love doing adventure and I love doing movies, but I think if I would have focused just on the movie industry, you know, and I love teaching, I love going out and teaching, you know, so like I yeah. said, it's not, I you know, I think all the time and energy that I would put into that, that would make me focus just completely on that, that I've never really Went that route, which would have kept me in here. I probably could have done my more projects, but that's probably one of the things I probably think. You know, yeah, you should have done that. You should have done it. But I'm just so happy with life and in general that I love what I'm doing. That uh, I kind of let you know it. Whatever happens is going to happen. Instead of you know, I guess one of the biggest. Things that probably I don't do is I'm not like, I'm going to go and make this happen. I'm going to go do this, which I'm going to yeah. do in my comic book. But, you know, I never, I remember Matthias Hughes told me that he said he hated weekends because he couldn't meet with people and concentrate on work, you know. Yeah. And I was kind of like, wow, I don't want to get like that. You know, I don't want to be like that. I want to, I want to enjoy every day to, you know, whatever, even if it's just going out and taking a bicycle ride or something. So, yeah. You know i think maybe if i put my mind to it one of these days and really try to <laughs> try to get something going that i want i i, I could do that you know it's just putting yeah. you know the time and the effort into it
1: cynthia look you remain a, an inspiration to so many people as well and someone who really sort of broke new ground in in many ways i mean that's um what an amazing legacy to have to have left behind you know that's uh, that's pretty incredible
2: yeah, it's funny because you know I go to all these events and I get these lifetime achievement awards and yeah. I get them from like events that aren't martial artists, you know, and I and I'm up there and I'm like bewildered, going, oh, I'm just starting though, you know, my mind is like yeah. oh, I still have so much more to do. But when you look back at it and you really think about you know, all all that I've done and I'm still doing it. And uh, yeah, I, I I feel blessed. I really do.
1: Cynthia Rothrock, thank you so much. This has been really great to chat. Let's not leave it uh, 10 years next time. <laughs> yeah, right. right. <laughs> 10 yeah.
2: years from now, I'll be like, oh my
1: God. <laughs> you have a lovely day. Okay, you too. Cynthia Rothrock, on the Kung Fu Movie Guide podcast. What a joy that was to catch up with Cynthia Rothrock, an absolute legend of the martial arts world, and someone whose career I have followed from a very, very early age. I was probably watching Cynthia's films way before I should have been. I was actually, I was trying to think of the first film of hers that I ever saw. I think it may have been China O'Brien or No Retreat, No Surrender 2. I definitely remember having both of those on VHS. And, uh, God, I used to watch those films a lot growing up over and over. She's great. Um, Look, we mentioned a few things there that I thought I would pick up on. So that KFC advert, which is hilarious, and if you haven't seen it, then do go on youtube and check it out i'll be sure to put a link to that in the description um richard norton i've chatted to richard norton for this podcast cynthia and richard made so many films together they were affectionately called the fred astaire and ginger rogers of martial arts movies which is uh, a quote that i that i very much like richard appeared on episode 54 of this show so go back and check that out. If you're a fan of No Retreat, No Surrender 2, then definitely check out my conversations with its other stars, as well as Cynthia. Uh, Lauren Avedon is on episode 57, and also Matthias Hughes, who is the villain in No Retreat, No Surrender 2. Matthias was on episode 21 of this episode. Podcast. Alas, Michelle Yeoh has so far not been on the podcast, but um, hey, who knows? Uh, maybe down the line, she's got a few movies coming out. Shang-Chi or Gunpowder Milkshake, and she's in the Avatar sequels. Who knows? Maybe Cynthia can put in a good word. Listen, Cynthia's films are quite widely available. You might need to investigate a little bit to pick up her Hong Kong work at least to get decent copies, but a lot of her American films are out there on the streaming platforms. Head over to KungFuMovieGuide.com to read my first interview that I did with Cynthia, and you can also read plenty of reviews of her many, many martial arts movies. Stay up to date with all the latest Cynthia Rothrock information via her website, CynthiaRothRockOfficial.com, also check her out on instagram her name there is at official cynthia rothrock she's on facebook facebook.com forward slash cynthia rothrock she's on twitter at sinroth, roth and check out her excellent youtube channel the youtube channel is called cynthia rothrock channel and again i will be sure to put all of those links in the description of this podcast And I think that is about it for today. I do hope that you have enjoyed listening to that conversation with the great Cynthia Rothrock. If you did, then please do feel free to share it, like it, leave a review, write a comment, whatever you can do to help to spread the word of the show is very much appreciated. All that remains for me to say is a huge thank you to Cynthia for talking to me and a huge thank you to you, the loyal Foo follower who has listened to this episode all the way to the very end. Thank you so much. I will be back in two weeks time with another brand new episode of the show. In the meantime, stay safe, stay well, and I will speak to you all again very soon on the Kung Fu Movie Guide podcast. Bye for now.